is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We got a good one for you today on Fantasy Football Today. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, the 12th of February. Dave, happy early Valentine's Day, bud. Um, it's weird to hear that from you. <laughs> I did not choo choo choose you to be my Valentine, but yes. I'm I'm gonna take that as a friendly coworker to coworker Valentine's yeah, Day wish. That's all it was, and I will embrace it with all of my cuddly heart. Now I am kind of in a good mood right now, and you may be hearing this uh, episode on Tuesday, most likely Tuesday the thirteenth. We are recording on Monday afternoon. But I'm in a very good mood because we just did an interview with CBS Sports sideline reporter Jamie Erdahl, who used to work in the Fort Lauderdale office at CBSSports.com. Uh, you've seen her doing college basketball. You've seen her on the sideline, a lot of Broncos games and just all over the AFC. She works with Greg Gumbel and Trent Green. We just sat down with her for 20 minutes, so we're going to air that at the end of today's show. It was a lot of fun. If you, I've always been very curious about uh, the production meetings and how they work and the rules and whatnot with coaches and players. So I got we got into that a little bit. We talked fantasy with her. Dave asked some really interesting questions, and then uh, we even asked her about Gumble to Gumble from Family Guy, and uh, it's it's good stuff. So I I think people are going to really enjoy that. That'll be the last twenty minutes or so of our show. Dave, we're going to look back at the draft we did last week, and yeah, that's and Owen Frank Reich is the coach of the Colts. They finally got a coach. How about that? They did it. And you know what? I I think that they didn't really do anything bad here. Like Josh McDaniels obviously would have been a fun, flashy name. I think it would have interested people in Indianapolis a little bit more than if they had gone to Frank Reich the first time. But now you can look at it and say the Colts just got the offensive coordinator of the Super Bowl chance, the team that just knocked off the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. And by the way, He's a pretty decorated guy in the National Football League. There's there's a lot of fun facts about him, and I, I I always like it when a quarterback, a former quarterback, takes over as the play caller. We're presuming that he's going to be the play caller for the Colts. Uh, I, I I think good times are ahead for Indianapolis. Yes, my favorite Frank Reich fun fact is that everybody or not everybody, many people know Frank Reich orchestrated. Arguably the greatest comeback in NFL history. It is the greatest comeback points-wise in points NFL wise. history. Until a few years ago, he also, I believe, had the greatest points comeback in college football history. Yes, uh, against our Hurricanes. Yes, it was Miami. It was He was on Maryland, 1984. It may have been like a week after Hale Flutie, or was it a year after Hale Flutie? I don't remember. When was Hale Flutie? 83 I want to say 84. Okay, yeah, I think it was the same year. I, well, whatever it was. Uh, so Frank Reich has two of the greatest comebacks in football history. One in college. Yeah, it was 1984, Hill Flutie, and, and the Frank Reich comeback. One in college, one in the NFL. Very cool stuff. So there's a little Do you know for you. that he is the first person to ever throw a touchdown for the Carolina Panthers? No. Oh, God. Do you know who he threw it to? Ooh. Himself. Pete Metzlar. Pete Metzlar. Never would have gotten that. All right, Dave, let's get into the show. Uh, email and voicemail of the day. The email was from Mark in the submarine capital of the world. And the voicemail is from Brian. And they both have basically the same question. It's about doing really well in the regular season and then not winning a championship. So let me play the voicemail from Brian, which basically is also the email 
from Mark. Hey, guys. This is Brian from Addison, Illinois. I've gotten to many Super Bowls. I've yet to win one, but, you know, that's a part of the topic. So I've been having a discussion with my friends, and we're deciding if it's luck or skill to get to the playoffs and then luck or skill to make it through the playoffs. My take is it takes skill to get to the playoffs, and then it's basically luck to win the Super Bowl. I got Todd Gurley in the Super Bowl, so I lost by seven points. I just want to hear what you guys' take on it was. Yeah, so I, I've had that conversation before, too. In fact, on this show, luck versus skill, it's a common sort of saying to say it takes skill to get to the playoffs and luck to win it. Heath wrote that in a story last year. I talked about that with him on the show. I don't. I mean, it's there's truth to it, but it's obviously oversimplifying it a little bit. What's your take on the luck versus skill thing? I think that I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I try and treat every week of the NFL season the same. I like looking at matchups. I don't want to start a player just because. Oh, his name is Julio Jones. Oh, yeah, his name's Todd Gurley. You have to start Todd Gurley. Well, in most cases, you're going to start those guys. It doesn't hurt to take a look at the matchups just in case or look at the injury report for them. You just do the same things that you do every week. You start the players who you think give you the best chance to win. You take a chance here and there if you think you've got a player on your bench that has some big upside, maybe a good matchup, maybe an opportunity to, to bounce, bounce back from a bad game or continue on what he's been doing with a good game. But you can't control what your opponent does or what the players on your opponent's team do. And there, every year there are players that put on these amazing performances and they, when you go against them, you're going to lose. And that's what happened with Todd Gurley this year. Everybody who had Todd Gurley that one week where he exploded, it was Tennessee. He, they won more or less. And people who went up against Todd Gurley that week, they lost. And there's just not a lot you can do about that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think it's like complete luck just to win though. I mean, what I would say if you find yourself in a situation where you're winning, where you're making the playoffs and not winning a lot is don't be afraid to make trades even if you have a really good team. But that can't happen by the time you get to the playoffs. No, 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 no. Earlier in the season, if you're on a playoff project, uh, trajectory, don't get complacent. Always be looking to upgrade. Um, and then the girly thing was just interesting because in the, in the fantasy playoffs, he scored 24, 41, and 38 points in standard scoring leagues. Like, you weren't beating him in the, you were not getting past him in weeks 15 and 16. So this was a year where you could have been a little unlucky and, and ran into girly. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't think it's just that simple. It definitely takes more skill to make the playoffs. Maybe it takes some luck in terms of injuries, like not not having a bunch of injuries to to win. I mean, that's huge, but yeah. you you have to have players who are good on a consistent basis, and that means they've got to be available for games. And then when they play, you want them to get you to your expectation at least fifty percent of the time. There aren't a lot of players that do that. That's the problem. Yeah. All right, well, I, you know, I think we, we've pretty much summed it up. But I will say, like you said, making trades to have your team playoff ready, simplifying your lineup so that you don't, you're not in a position with, well, do I start Golden State or Mohamed Sanu? Trade away some depth. It's a little risky because you have to stay healthy, but you're sitting there and you've got four running backs for two spots. Make a two for one trade and upgrade and get a great player. And then in the playoffs, there are no bye weeks anymore. You have to be lucky enough to stay healthy, but that is a way to sort of take a risk and really go for it. It's to make a two-for-one trade and and go from two good players to one great player, and that is that is one way to, to maybe get a leg up. The great ones find a way to get you 20 fantasy points every once in a while 
or in the case of Todd Gurley, yeah, 40. 30 points. <laughs> yeah. 40 points. Yeah. Besides, only a moron would trade Todd Gurley. And then tell him about and it. And then tell him about it. Yeah, that'd be me. All right, email of the day number two is from Kyle Duffy. And our email address is fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. You saw this email? I forwarded it to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Kyle, I don't know if anybody's going to remember this. He, They had a bet in their league where the loser had to get a nipple ring. So, Kyle wrote us today. My buddy finally paid the piper on his nipple ring bet. Unfortunately, the place that did it did not allow filming but attached are the best pictures. In his, in his words, quote, it hurt worse than he'd ever imagined, end quote. They also wouldn't let him use the smallest gauge and told him they could only do a 14-gauge or higher because he has a large areola. <laughs> I've been laughing so hard for the last 12 hours. My face hurts. Well, we just sent we, pictures. He did. So we just said areola on the air too, Dave. That's a big moment for this podcast. It's about time. Yeah. We're, we're breaking down barriers here <laughs> on fantasy football today. He said pictures. They were disgusting. Uh, that, yeah, that's I, dedication. I, I, I saw a nipple with a, with a stud through it and deleted it <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> I printed it. I mean, yeah, I deleted it too. So yeah. news and notes. Other than Frank Reich, there's not much. Uh, yeah, so check this out for the 1984 Miami Hurricanes, who were coming off a national championship. On November 10th, they were winning 31 nothing at halftime at home, and Frank Reich comes back and has, at the time, the greatest comeback in college football history and beats Miami 42-0, 42-40. Down 31 nothing at halftime, Maryland wins 42-40. The next game was 13 days later was Hale Flutie. That is one hell of a back-to-back loss. Frank yeah, that's, Reich that's tough. All right, so are By you By the way, concerned? Andrew Luck in his career has 14 fourth-quarter comebacks, 18 game-winning drives. Are you concerned about the – Lack of experience as a play caller for Reich. Well, you never know how that's going to turn out, but again, anytime a former quarterback ends up taking over that role, I think it helps the current quarterback of the team. And he's got a lot of experience being around some good players. He's been in Indianapolis before, spent three years with Peyton Manning as his quarterback's coach. One of those years was when they lost to the Saints in the Super Bowl. Uh, he also spent a year in Indianapolis as their wide receivers coach, and that was the year Peyton was out. Spent a year in Arizona uh, with Ken Wisenhunt as the wide receiver coach, so a lot of time with Larry Fitzgerald then. Followed Wisenhunt to San Diego when Mike McCoy was the head coach. Wisenhunt was calling the plays then. He was the quarterback coach, Reich was. And then he was the offensive coordinator there, but he didn't call the plays. And then in Philadelphia with Peterson, uh, again, offensive coordinator, but didn't call the plays, but did have a hand in putting together the game plan each week. So he's learned a lot. He's played a ton. Uh, he knows, obviously, the K-Gun offense. That's what he ran when he was in Buffalo. West Coast offense he's obviously familiar with from Philadelphia. So I think he can really vary things quite a bit. And I especially think that as long as he's got a smart quarterback, he'll be able to do some really interesting things with his offense in Indianapolis. And Andrew Luck is a pretty bright guy, so... Hopefully his shoulder is fine, and he's back at training camp, and there's a whole new playbook for him to learn. But he and Reich should be able to get along great. I think it's a solid football hire for Indianapolis, which, again, McDaniels knows his stuff too, but I just think that this is more substance over style for Indy. Yeah, I'm happy for them. Uh, and they then, still need to rebuild their offensive line. Yeah. doesn't matter who the coach is. 
got to protect the quarterback from now on. And we also have a new offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. It is Eagles quarterbacks coach. So now the Eagles have lost their offensive coordinator and their quarterbacks coach, but it's John DeFilippo who will be the Vikings offensive coordinator. What do you think about that hire? He's going to be a head coach soon too. Uh, it's, it's a great hire for Minnesota. This guy's bright. Uh, I know people who know him and they're impressed with him. He's got a great track record with young quarterbacks. He was in Oakland when Derek Carr came into the league. He was in Philadelphia when Carson Wentz came into the league. He was in Cleveland when, well, you know, Cleveland didn't have anything going for them in 2015, but he was their offensive coordinator that year. Spent time earlier in his life with the Giants, the Jets. I I think this is going to be fine. First question for him is, who's your quarterback going to be? And that's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But uh, smart football guy, good offensive-minded guy, played quarterback. So a lot of similarities to Frank Reich. We'll see what he does in Minnesota, but my guess is he won't be there for very long. And a couple of Patriots items. Julian Edelman expected to be ready for training camp. 2016, Edelman was the number 24 wide receiver in standard scoring leagues, and that was with only three touchdowns. And he had the fifth most receptions or the fourth most receptions in football that year. So obviously much better in PPR. He had the fourth most, 98 only three touchdowns, but Edelman went in the seventh round, I believe. Yeah, late seventh round, just ahead of Marquise Goodwin in the draft that we did last week. Last four years, this is his receptions per game average. 6.6, 6.6, 6.8, 6.1. Hmm. Great catch rate. Three of the years above 68%. That last year, 2016, it was 61.6%. But that was a year where Tom Brady didn't play for four games. Mm-hmm. You know what you're getting with him. He He's good in standard play. He is very good in PPR play. And the Boston Herald's Jeff Howe says the early vibe is that Deion Lewis will not be on the Patriots next season. Plenty of time for that to uh, to take shape. And, dude, I – ah, gosh. I, I think you got to think there's a less than zero uh, – a more than zero percent chance that Rob Gronkowski retires. I, I honestly feel what, like – What are you saying? I you're, honestly, you're saying there's no way. No, he, no, no, that, that there is a chance, that there's a chance. I feel like he, there's more of a chance that Gronk retires than there was with Roethlisberger this time last year. How do you think Rob Gronkowski feels about his acting career? I don't know. I mean, I don't blame the guy. He takes such a beating. I don't blame the guy either, but he's set to make 10 million next year. He could make that 12 million he, he the next year. He, I, it wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me. Look, I mean, he's already made $44 million and change. Really comes down to how he feels, I guess. Could the Patriots go with a running back in the draft with, like, their first or second pick and try and find a guy who they can use more frequently than the mix-and-match running backs that they've had in an effort to take some pressure off of their 41-year-old quarterback? It would just shock me to see Bill Belichick take a running back in the first round. It would shock me too. When was Lawrence Maroney but, a first round pick? He was. Yeah. I, I it would I think shock that's the me. last time they took a running back even close to early. Yeah. All right, Dave. Uh let's let's talk about the draft and, and how our teams finished. You heard I don't remember what, seven, eight rounds or something on last week's show. Um, I think more than that. And uh we'll tell you how how the teams finished. And also we each picked a team that's our favorite other than our own. And we'll tell you why we liked it so much. But my favorite app on my phone is the SeatGeek app because it saves me money and it saves me time. It used to be a big pain in the neck 
to look for tickets. Complicated and confusing. SeatGeek gives you a better way. Uh, the reason I like SeatGeek is because, you know, if you just download the app, obviously it doesn't cost any money to download it. Or you go to the website, you search for an event, and it goes out and searches multiple websites for you, multiple ticket sources for you, and then it grades every ticket based on value. So you look at like a map of the arena or the stadium, wherever you're going, for a concert, for a game, comedy, for theater. You get all these dots. You get red dots. You want to avoid those. You get big green dots. Those are the best values. So you know this is where I'm getting my bang for my buck. I have used SeatGeek for basketball, for baseball, for football, for concerts. I will be using it again a lot once Yankee season starts. You can bet I'm going to be on that SeatGeek app all the time. I actually like using SeatGeek just to check prices, and I can promise you you're going to find the cheapest prices on SeatGeek. The best part is every purchase is fully guaranteed. You can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. So here's what you do. You download the SeatGeek app. You use our promo code FFT. That is FFT for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FFT. You forget that code, you feel free to tweet me, and I, I got your back. Dave, tell me about your team. You definitely get experimental on, on mock drafts, and I applaud you for that because I still always want to have a great team, and I'm afraid to try new things, which is stupid because that's the point of mock drafts. Uh, yeah, I, I just I look at your team, and I feel like – I couldn't go with what did you have three receivers in your first four picks or, or first three? Picks? I had three receivers on the entire team, but they were all, your first three. My picks. first three picks were all receivers. Yeah, I don't think I'd do that. How, how do you feel about? Would you do that again? Standard standard no, scoring league. I don't think so. Uh, Odell Beckham was my first round pick. I picked nine, I believe. So Odell was first. AJ Green was my early second round pick. And I took Brandon Cooks in round three. That's that's the pick that I don't like the most of the three. Uh, just to lay it out there, I could have had Melvin Gordon instead of Odell Beckham. Could have had Devontae Freeman instead of A.J. Green. Or, Der- or Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry may have been an even better pick. I kind of regret maybe, not going with maybe. Henry. Maybe. Jay Ajayi over Brandon Cooks yep. was an option in round three. I could have started with those three running backs and had stud running backs, but then I'd be weak at wide receiver. And the one thing that I I look at with this result for all the teams in this draft is that no one's great at wide receiver, except for me. Except for you. Uh, Heath's got good wide receivers. He's got – who does he have? He's got someone with uh, Keenan Allen. He He's Keenan got like Allen and Nuke. Hopkins and Nuke. Allen. Yeah. yeah. Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen. I, I think that's a great trio. What but about Chris? After last year, and it's been two years now where I've seen wide receivers kind of – trail off like once you get to the 13th 14th 15th best wide receiver there's not much difference between them and the 30th or 35th best receiver so i feel like i'll have a little bit of an advantage by having two to three really good wide receivers on my team and then i just make do with the running backs that i have and i don't hate my running back group i've got like six names each week is is it too much to ask for two of them to be reliable um not necessarily reliable that's the wrong word Guys I can feel comfortable starting each week. And the group is Carlos Hyde, Chris Carson, Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, uh, Giovanni Bernard, Corey Clement, uh, Frank Gore. Frank Gore, I don't know if I'm ever going to start. I don't even know if I'm the one who picked him. I think somebody else picked him for me. But you get the point. It's zero RB. And as of now, I don't think it's terrible. I waited on quarterback. I feel like I got a steal with Stafford in round 11. Waited on tight end. I got Jimmy Graham in round eight, something like that. I, I I think that it's not the worst that I could have done. The alternative would be getting a Jai in round three and then finding another receiver 
probably where I drafted Geo or Gore. Mm-hmm. Just roll with that as the team. So Dave's team is Stafford and Jameis Winston at quarterback. Carlos Hyde, Tevin Coleman, Chris Carson. You heard the running backs, but Hyde, Coleman, and Carson, plus McKinnon, Geo, Corey Clement, and Frank Gore. Standard scoring, two-receiver league with a flex. Odell Beckham, A.J. Green, Brandon Cooks is his flex. Jimmy Graham, Greg Zerline, uh, and the Bengals DST. I feel like everybody's going to have to decide, and this is how it is right now. A month from now, it's going to be different, and three months from now, it's going to be way different. You might have to decide, well, where do I, where won't I mind being weak at with my roster? Am I going to mind being weak at wide receiver? And in exchange for that, I'm going to feel safe with my running backs? Am I, do, am I going to mind going with a tight end that I draft in the second half of, of, of the draft? Somebody in round eight or beyond? Or do I need to get one of those stud tight ends? Cause I, I almost want to get one of those stud tight ends too. I just, I, I couldn't pull the trigger on it after going wide receiver with my first three picks. I do, yeah, where do I want to be weak at? It's kind of an interesting question. Um, I don't know that I want to be weak at quarterback. I know that's kind of the easy answer. Just wait on quarterback, wait on quarterback. I don't know that I want to be weak there in this particular format, which is standard scoring and six points per passing touchdown. If it were four point per passing touchdown, I'd feel differently. If it were PPR, I'd feel differently for a half PPR. But quarterbacks are most valuable in standard scoring with six points per passing touchdown. You're not going to find a format where they, you know, where quarterbacks, uh, have as much value. So, um, I have Cam Newton, who I kind of felt like was not the last guy who could be great, like Jimmy Garoppolo could be great, even Matthew Stafford could be great, but I, I was happy with where I got Cam Newton. Uh, we have the draft results here. I got Cam Newton in the eighth round, late in the eighth round. Uh, I have Alex Collins and Devontae Freeman. And by the way, Dave, you are a Devontae Freeman injury away from having probably the best team because Tevin Coleman is your number two running back. But I have uh, Alex Collins, Devontae Freeman, Antonio Brown, and Marvin Jones. I have Zach Ertz, who I took in the third round. And at flex, I have maybe Corey Davis, maybe Will Fuller, maybe Marshawn Lynch. I also – what I did, Dave, was um, I backed up my – run. I took backfields. Okay, so I have Alex Collins. I also took Kenneth Dixon. I didn't take Tevin Coleman. I probably would have if, if he had gotten past Dave uh, in the next round. I have uh, Marshawn Lynch. I took the other two Raiders running backs. I have Lynch, DeAndre Washington, and Jalen Richard. I don't know if that's going to do me any good, but you know, it's not. It's not like I'm going to have them on my team the entire time. But going into the season, we'll see what happens. So Cam Newton, Collins, and Freeman, Lynch, Dixon, DeAndre Washington, and Jalen Richard at running back. With Antonio Brown, Marvin Jones, and I like my bench wide receivers after Brown and Marvin Jones. I have Corey Davis, Will Fuller, and J.J. Nelson. Plus I have Zach Ertz. Now, Nelson is the number two, possibly number one wide receiver on the Cardinals if Larry Fitzgerald retires. They also have- uh, I don't, I, I don't think he's gonna be like that. This is my last pick. I think pick. he is what he is. This I is don't my think last he's pick. Ever gonna be, uh, 60 catch guy. No, and I was thinking about taking Chad Williams, who John Brown is a free agent, was, is very high on Chad Williams. He's now a second year guy. Didn't do much last year as a rookie, but that's a kind of a sleeper to put on your radar right now. Cardinals wide receiver Chad Williams. They're going to do something. They're going to add to their receiving unit. But right now, I think JJ Nelson is worth a 15th round pick. Or maybe Chad Williams is, but there you go. So I got Zach Ertz. That made me a little weaker at running back and, and maybe wide receiver. I actually, I was pretty happy with my team. And as I said on the show when we were doing the draft on Thursday or whenever it was, uh, on Wednesday, 
I I want at least two top 18 running backs. 18 to 20. You have to look at the rankings from Dave, Jamie, and Heath and decide where your limit is. But I want two of them, top 18, top 20, because it gets pretty different, you know, scary after that. I don't have that. The reason I don't have that is I took Antonio Brown in the first round, and I took Zach Ertz in the third round. And I'm fine with that. I went away from my plan. I'm totally fine with that. You know, you, you make you, you, that's what free agency's for. So I think I yeah. like your team the best. Really? Yeah, because I, I think the weakness that you have, you've covered for with depth. That's what I try to do. Yeah, because I think Devontae Freeman's going to be your starter to begin the season. You're going to feel good about that. Your second running back spot for now, it's Alex Collins. We'll see if he's the starter in Baltimore. Maybe Kenneth Dixon gets in there. And even if neither of those guys get it, at least you've got all three of the Raiders running backs. Those are guys playing in an offense tailored to the running back behind a good offensive line. Yeah, I, I invested five picks in the Ravens and the Raiders backfield, and and I don't feel like I am lacking somewhere. You know, like I, there yeah. were enough rounds. I couldn't have done it probably in a fourteen round draft. Yeah, I probably could have. I just wouldn't have taken JJ Nelson. So yeah, I'm cool with it. Also. I went early on a, uh, I took the Jaguars DST, I forgot to mention that. And I took, um, Justin Tucker, which may have been a mistake. I took him in round 13 out of 15. I'm not opposed to going early on your kicker if you want your kicker, but I probably should have taken Greg Zerline instead. Who's your number one kicker? Zerline. Yeah, I probably should have taken him. So that's a mistake on my part. But I've evolved to the point, Dave, where like, it was kind of, it was kind of like cool and trendy when people were taking Steven Goskowski in the second to last round. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to take a kicker in the third to last round now. That's weird. Why? I, like, I don't think there's anyone, there's one player that went after I took, uh, Justin Tucker that I'm looking at like, wow, I should have taken this guy. And it's Andrew Luck. Even though I already had Cam Newton, Andrew Luck is who I should have taken, uh, instead of my kicker. That's the only guy that went off the board. After that, in two and a half rounds, that I feel like, oh, man, I wish I had that guy. The rest of it is kickers, DSTs, and then, like, Arlen's Darkwas and and my DeAndre Washington, Jonathan Stewart, uh, J.J. Nelson, Alan Hearns. Like, I don't feel like any of those guys are must-haves. I'd rather be elite at any position, even if it's kicker. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know if I'm feeling that. <laughs> I, I, I tell. just – kicker is kicker. <laughs> There's not a whole lot you can do with it. Yeah, you get a few extra points per week with a with a Tucker. Or a Fine, but spending it with the third to last round pick, I, I look. Maybe we're just splitting hairs here. But no, it's I didn't, interesting. I, I didn't mind going kicker when I did. I took him with my second to last pick because I knew that I wasn't going to get one of my top DSTs with my second to last pick. So I figured I'll just take the best available DST. I'm probably going to end up streaming DST anyway. So in that case, I don't mind taking the best kicker. You're, by you taking the kicker in round three, you're just beating me to the punch by taking one around before I can get it. Round, the third to last round, not round right, three. Right, and I'm going for him in the second <laughs> last round. <laughs> if I took a kicker in round three. And it's, and if you, yeah. and the way I feel about it is, if you really love that kicker, you go ahead and take him. I'm going to take my number two kicker, if I so choose, with my next pick, and the drop off shouldn't be that much. Yeah. I just didn't feel like I was sacrificing much to take my favorite kicker, but my favorite kicker should not have been Tucker. It should have been Greg Zerline. Uh, alright, let's talk about our favorite non-us teams. Who's, your, what's your favorite team? Although you did kind of say it was me. I, I said it was yours. Uh, Heath, I guess we can make a case for. I think Heath's team is pretty interesting. I liked his wide receivers. Again, I think that matters, but I think his running backs are 
more or less in the same boat as mine. Maybe he's got a better headliner with Kenyon Drake. Well, let's let's got... read his team. Let's read his team. Read his team. Everybody, Go ahead. Read you know, it to me. if you're on a computer, I really recommend you pulling up the draft. It's available cbssports.com/fantasy. Heath's team is one quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, Kenyon Drake, C.J. Anderson, Isaiah Crowell, Marlon Mack, Bilal Powell, uh, Keenan Allen, and DeAndre Hopkins, Jack Doyle. And then at flex, he could go with Crowell, who I already mentioned, Marlon Mack, Bilal Powell, or Adam Thielen, Richard Matthews, Alan Hearns, Marquise Lee. Uh, he has Matt Bryant and the Rams. So yeah, it's, it's Roethlisberger. Starting lineup would be Roethlisberger, Drake, CJ Anderson, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Jack Doyle, and then probably either Thielen or Crowell at, at flex. It's good. I, I was down to four teams as my favorite. Chris, Heath, Jamie, and Jeremy Bache. Uh, so Heath was definitely a front runner. I, I think I like Roethlisberger a lot. Uh, I might be like the high guy on Roethlisberger. That's kind of like why Heath's team stood out to me. Mm-hmm. What, what stands out to you about it? You said you like the wide receivers. Hopkins like the wide Allen. receivers. I think, um, I think the quarterback's good. He certainly got good value waiting for Roethlisberger. Don't love the depth. Don't really love his bench at this point, although, I will admit there's a lot of potential for Marlon Mack in Indianapolis depending on what the Colts do at that position. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to make of Jack Doyle now that Frank Reich is there. I did not like Doyle with McDaniels as the head coach because I don't see Doyle as the same type of tight end as Gronkowski. I don't think that they're even in the same universe. Not many tight ends are in the same universe as Rob Gronkowski. So that's not saying much, but but I think he's got a good competitive team. We'll see what happens with C.J. Anderson this offseason. We'll see if he's still a starter somewhere. We'll see if Kenyon Drake is still the every-down guy for Miami. That's something I'm a little nervous about. I would make him that guy, but I don't know how the Dolphins think. I know that Adam Gase doesn't really believe in a featured guy. We'll see if that opinion's changed after what Drake did to finish the year. And I like Crowell. I mean, Crowell, if he lands in the right spot, some team believes in him. Crowell could definitely benefit from being on a better offense. He's not a bad player. I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of player Crowell is. I just hope he gets out of Cleveland. Uh, all right, so my favorite team was Jeremy Bates' team. Jeremy has Drew Brees. He has Kareem Hunt and Joe Mixon. He has Michael Thomas and Demarius Thomas. Now, interesting story on the Broncos and the Denver Post speculating that I wouldn't say speculating, but suggesting that Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders could get cut. They're both very expensive. Um, I'll read the team again. Breeze, Kareem Hunt and Joe Mixon, Michael Thomas and Demarius Thomas, Hunter Henry. And then at flex, it's probably going to be a wide receiver. It's probably going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, he also has Mike Wallace, Kelvin Benjamin, Corey Coleman. Those picks are, you know, whatever. Jordan Reed. I think it's a very good pick. He's got two tight ends, but they're Henry and Reed. Uh, and then the backup running backs are Burkhead and Montgomery. I would say this team doesn't have great depth, but I like the starting lineup of Breeze, Hunt, Nixon, Michael Thomas, Demarius Thomas, Hunter Henry, or Jordan Reed, and then probably Juju Smith-Schuster with Goskowski at kicker and the Texans DST. You like this team from Jeremy? Yeah, I do. I, I like the tight ends, first and foremost, because... Jordan Reed, I thought, was one of the better late-round picks in the draft. I don't know what we're going to get out of him. I think it's fair to say that uh, he, he's not a sure thing. Hunter Henry, though, seems to be a lot safer. You're going to see Henry picked ahead of Jordan Reed in a lot of drafts. Having them both on the same team 
will give you a lot of flexibility, might give you a trade chip for later in the year. So I don't mind that. He's got good wide receivers too. It's just not, not great. I don't think he's, I, I think, let's put it this way. I think my wide receivers, I think Heath's wide receivers are a little bit better than his wide receivers, but he makes up for it at running back. Gobs of upside with Kareem Hunt and Joe Mixon. You already know what Hunt can do. Mixon should take a step forward this year. Breeze took a step back last year, but I still think that he's got plenty of potential to put up good numbers. I like this team a lot. I, I wish they got a little luckier with their depth, but overall, it, it should be a solid competitive team. You have any favorite late round picks from this draft? We didn't cover it on the Wednesday show. We didn't get to it on the draft. There were so many late round quarterback picks that I just, I, I don't, I don't know what to tell people about drafting a quarterback. I, I think what I'm going to say is either you get a stud quarterback in round four or five. And I'm talking Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, one of those guys. Or you just really wait a long time. Stafford went in round 11. Ben in round 12. Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston, Andrew Luck all in round 13. Jared Goff, Phillip Rivers, round 14. Now, if you're waiting for a quarterback and you get one of those values, you're in hog heaven. As far as non-quarterbacks, I liked uh, I liked Nelson Aguilar in round 10. Uh, I like Marquise Lee in round 11. Dede Westbrook went in round 10, so you got Lee around later. Mentioned Jordan Reed at round 11 I thought was good. David Njoku round 12. Adam Shaheen round 13. Those are interesting tight end sleepers if you want to speculate and get two at that position. Those would be guys to draft, not necessarily as starters, but guys to kind of wait and see on, especially Njoku. I, I think that there is some big-time numbers coming for him. I like Elijah McGuire. I think that's an interesting pick. He didn't do much. Because of Forte being out? Yeah, I don't know what they had, what they had planned for Bilal Powell, but first pick of round 12 for Elijah McGuire. I like it. I could see that. I think that kid's got talent. I'd like to see them unleash Elijah McGuire a little bit. We'll see what they do with them, and we'll see what they do with that position. For now, it's a, it's a good pick, yes. The next pick after, so, so, Maguire was the first pick of round 12 to Will Brinson. The next pick was David Njoku. And, you know, I, that, that was one of the reasons why I didn't select Chris Towers as my favorite team. Cause he took Andrew Luck as his only quarterback. And he probably thinks, oh, whatever, if Luck doesn't pan out, let's play the waiver wire. And that's fine. But you might be a little weak at court. He might, I mean, Andrew Luck in the 13th round might be the best pick of the draft. No question. Could but end up being that. It's yes. dicey. So with David Njoku at tight end, also I don't know. It's it's, it, it's waiting. You, know, you say you know, luck is dicey, but it's a round thirteen pick. I know. We were but, talking about but luck is a good pick in round seven. But he doesn't have a good. He doesn't have another quarterback. It's his only quarterback. So he waited a he, he his first eleven rounds. He didn't take a quarterback or a tight end. So you know he's potentially weak at both positions. I like that he went with two high upside guys. If the Browns get themselves a good player at quarterback. Najoku could be great there. And Luck, obviously, we know he could be he, – he's been the number one quarterback in fantasy before. So, I don't know. Um, it's not a combo I love. It's 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 too much risk at two, at two important positions uh, to do that with Najoku in round 12 and Luck in round 13, but it's interesting. You know, Dave, I want to get to uh, some voicemails, and then we'll hear from Jamie Erdahl. Let's uh, hear from Jules. This is Jules from Austin. I'm asking about how specific quarterbacks will impact how the Browns should be treated if they were to sign one of, let's say, four quarterbacks. Two of the three Vikings, I'd say, are an option, and then Kirk Cousins and Nick Foles. If they get one of those guys, I wanted to ask you guys how that would impact, how we should look at the wide receivers, 
and just the Browns team in general in fantasy. Because I'm sure some would argue that just like Jimmy Garoppolo going to the 49ers, having a veteran on the team would just boost their fantasy value. But at the same time, they don't have Kyle Shanahan, and they are probably the worst, like, just organization ever in the NFL. So I just wanted to ask you guys that and see what y'all's opinion was. Thank you very much. You know, usually I cut the email, the, I cut the voicemail off when the question is done because they, otherwise they'd be too long, but I had to leave that last part in for yeah. the rules. That's a great question. I mean, they, they could get a quarterback that would really change fantasy values for a lot of players, Dave. And not only do they have Hugh Jackson and, and listen, we can say what we will about Hugh Jackson and he just led them to an 0-16 season, but Todd Haley's there. And Haley's done good work. He did it in Pittsburgh, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how he organizes this offense. Kirk Cousins is the number one answer for every team that needs a quarterback and doesn't want to draft one. The question isn't can the Browns afford Kirk Cousins because they can. They've got over $100 million in cap space. It's does Kirk Cousins want to go to Cleveland? If I were the Browns and if I really liked him, and I, I do, I would I would sell him hard on look at what we've got. Look at what's around you. We're ready to win, and you're going to be rich as heck. All right, Dave. Kirk Cousins goes to the Browns. Josh Gordon becomes top twelve. Ha <laughs> ha. Gordon or Cooks? Gordon. Gordon or Doug Baldwin? I will probably take the upside of uh, of Gordon there. All right. What about Najoku? Cousins goes to the Browns. What happens to Najoku? I think Najoku would be pretty much right where he is now. You know, on the on the border, real close to being a top twelve fantasy tight end. I'm not ready to say that he would most certainly be a top twelve guy. I've got him fourteenth right now. Maybe he flips to thirteen. Okay. All right. With, well, I think everybody's going to really enjoy what we have coming up for you next. Please send us your emails: fantasyfootball at cbsi dot com. Your voicemails at nine five four. Six eight nine three one nine 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 five four six eight nine three one nine nine. We'll try to do some more voicemails later in the week, and do have some emails to read in our next episode as well. In the meantime, here is CBS Sports sideline reporter Jamie Erdahl. You'll see her on the NFL Sundays on CBS and on uh, during March Madness. Here's Jamie Erdahl. Well, hello, Jamie Erdahl. Thanks for stopping by. You guys, thanks for having me. <laughs> it is good to have you back in the office, and we've got a lot of exciting things coming on CBS Sports, and you're going to be a part of it. But you've already been a part of exciting things for CBS Sports. Oh, yes. It is It is still cool slash surreal to be sitting in the green room, which is on the other side of this wall in our office, on Sunday afternoons. And your face pops up before yeah. the game, and then right after halftime, and you're talking to these coaches and there is a little part of me that wants to reach out to you via text and say, can you ask coach about totally. this or about that before totally. the game? And I just, I know I can't do it because I know you've <laughs> got a job to do and I'm not going to bother you when you're doing your job, but it, it's still very cool to see you there Thank and you're you. doing a great job. Thank you. Well, you guys, I think across the industry are some of, if not the most prepared individuals when it comes to not just fantasy, but covering the NFL in general. And I'm telling you the knowledge I learned here and just, being able to talk with you and Jamie and Adam for a full blown hour at a time mm-hmm. helped me a lot more in my career than some other things. So, are you, yeah. Are, uh, but are you weirded out by the way Jamie spells his name from one Jamie, you know, to another, I guess like J A M E Y is Jamie Eisenberg. And it's just, it's so strange. What is What's that like weird for you? Is that, so I guess my way is the boy way. J A M I E. I don't think there is a boy or a girl. Way. Well, allegedly the Most girl way is J A I M E. 
apparently. Yeah. That's that's Jaime. Just, can we just get into the whole Jaime conversation? <laughs> that's Jaime, just, yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. I think J-A-M-I-E is definitely for boys and girls. Yes. And J-A-M-E-Y is for weirdos. Yeah. I think yeah. that's just how it is. I don't want to bash my, my namesake um, without him here. So let's just, you know, put yeah. him in the in the Jamie corner and leave him with his Y over there. Yeah. Dave, ask, <laughs> ask Jamie some sideline questions. You had some very good questions before we went on the air. So take it away. Well, I know that you're you're down there and you're doing exciting things on the sideline and you're talking to players and coaches, but you're also in pre-production meetings. And yes. these are meetings that happen a day or two days before the game. You get to sit down, all the coaches or just the head coach? Oh, um, if we want a coordinator, he'll come in the room. Um, usually Trent Green talks to the coordinators on his own just because those are very much the X's and O's conversation of the game that if we have time, we'll have him in. But no, usually it's the home team on Friday, the away team on Saturday head coach, quarterback, and then another two players, both on the offensive and de- defensive side of the ball. Okay. Without giving me a name, because I don't I don't think you should give a name. Sure. Have you ever talked to anybody before a game and then changed a fantasy lineup because of it? 100%. You have? <laughs> yes. Like you've gotten inside info. Yeah, and it wasn't. It's happened a, a couple times. The few times. So I'm in, a, I'm in a one fantasy league because, frankly, doing the work that I do on the weekends and being in multiple is just not fathomable, in my opinion. Uh-huh. So I'm just in this eight-person eight league with my family. Um so sometimes like if my, if I'm not playing my dad or something, I'll throw him a bone even and be like, Hey dad, so and so's not starting, but I make sure not to do it too early because his big mouth, like he'd go into work on Friday and be like, Oh, this tight end. Uh-huh, right. So I wait till Saturday night. So he has plenty of time to change it, but I have helped my dad out. I have helped myself out. Um, you might but have helped also, me once or twice. I think I might have helped you once yeah. or twice, but I did, I will say this. Um, it, but also not from an injury standpoint, but even from like a, if I know a defense, if if a, if a coach comes in and he's like, we are not going to let this running back do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. I'm like, boop, out of the lineup. Like, wow. we're not, yeah, because especially if it's a good defense that's stopped a run game or something like that before, I've definitely altered my lineup. How much of a chance do you get to watch the game live? The whole game. Okay. Yeah. Unless, like... I was in Denver earlier this year and uh, Josh McCown broke his hand and I had to follow him back to the x-ray room and mm-hmm. stalk the outside of the x-ray room door. I missed like five minutes of that game. But okay. yeah, you, I'm right there, you know, pending something really crazy happening that I have to follow, you know, back into the tunnels. Um, yeah, I'm right there. And so unfortunately, it's only my game. That's what's hard about fantasy. That's is, what I was about to ask yeah. you. Is how hard is it to pay attention to the rest so of the league hard. when you've got your game each week? This is your assignment. Mm-hmm. I assume that you're studying the two teams that you're getting ready Obsessed to call the game yes. with them. And then you go into the meetings with them. And then by the time the game's over, you don't have a clue what's going on with the other 30 teams. If I'm lucky and if it's an easy travel Sunday to get back to my home in Philadelphia, I'm able to get home for the Sunday night game. And that's it, which mm-hmm. means I've already missed all the other 1 o'clock games and I've missed the 4 o'clock games, which is totally frustrating. Um, I will say one of the favorite parts of my weeks is our car ride as a crew after our football games to the airport because it's we, we all pile in, my producer and my director – Greg Gumbel, Trent Green, and myself. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we're probably 30 minutes, give or take, from any airport from the stadium. The first couple minutes, everyone's silent because we just went through this four-hour yeah, broadcast, yeah, 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 and you're yeah. just kind of coming down from it. The next 20, 25 minutes is Trent reads off the scores. Um, I am checking my fantasy lineup. <laughs> and and then everyone else is just kind of giving commentary. We're talking about our game. We're talking about other scores. We're listening to Westwood One on the radio, trying to hear whatever game is going on. So um, I try, It's but it's difficult. I had a similar setup. When we used to do our fantasy show from New York, Adam, 
and we'd fly up. Jamie and I would alternate weeks. Jamie, this is Jamie, Jamie Eisenberg. And Jamie I, with a lot. When yeah. I would fly up, uh, I would leave the studio with Nathan Zagura, who we did the show with then. He would fire up uh, the Red Zone on his iPad. Mm-hmm. I would fire up Sirius Radio on my phone. And between the two of us, for a 45-minute car ride from our studio at Chelsea yes. – uh, to LaGuardia or JFK or wherever mm-hmm. we're going, we're going through every nook and cranny of what's happening in the NFL to keep us up to date. So I'm on, I'm about to be disowned by my family by using too much data at all times on my family plan. <laughs> so I wish I could just fire up the red zone any, t- any chance uh-huh. I got, but no, I rely on the whole, the old AM radio station mm-hmm. updates. I just love that you guys love football. Like I knew you love football mm-hmm. as much as we do, but like to know that your producer and director oh, yeah. and Greg and Trent, obviously Trent, but like everybody's still crazy about football. Uh, I, I get that. I well, like you get that. really attached. We get really attached to these teams. You know, if we have a, if we have the same team, my first year in the NFL, I had Pittsburgh five times. I mean, by the time just week 17 rolls around, Mike Tomlin, it's like, what else do we talk to him about? Mm-hmm. So you really feel a connection, you know, whether we just had a team and all of a sudden, you know, we had a team crash and burn the week before and all of a sudden there they go again. It's happening again. Mm-hmm. So you want to ride the wave with them as best as you can. And and then also keep on track for the next week too, because you know what's coming up. Who were the players who impressed you the most during this season that From you a, got to see? That you got to see. Mm, like it doesn't count if you only did one or two Patriots games. Yeah, um, Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. um, Jordan Howard. He was really strong. Yeah. Um, I really wanted the quarterback situation in Denver just to pan out, like in some capacity for them, because I like those guys there. Um, who else? Let me think. Oh, Juju. I mean, <laughs> he's fun. So fun. Yep. So fun. Um, yeah, those are just to name a few. And yeah, and you talked to someone who was quite into fantasy football, right? Yes. A, a player to be named at some point in my career. Maybe this is just a thing that I tease out for the rest of my life and people will always <laughs> wonder who I'm talking about. Yeah, I was, uh, somewhere and um we were meeting with the team and it was i was in denver i'll say that we were a mile high not not sure if we were home or away but um our entire production meeting i mean it was funny because greg and trent producer director they want all this other information and i'm sitting there eating this up because we're all fantasy football the whole conversation so when you say it's all minutes. fantasy football like, it's however we got is he asking the, you like starter sick questions no, or is he, he wasn't bragging asking about me his questions. team yes he and he was it wasn't just bragging but he was had some thorough concerns that like had been bothering him he told the story about he was they were playing in a game somewhere and and some a coach came in some, a coordinator someone came in and said we got we got to change this one play because so and so's out on the other team and he told us i i reached back behind my locker and grabbed my phone and changed my line up like a couple <laughs> minutes before kickoff that's amazing i know i was like so you do that and i do that but try to we all do, we all do it but he's doing it it was it was awesome and then he was saying whoever had been his quarterback a couple of years ago he he told him one day, like on a Thursday, he's like, "Yo, I'm sitting you this weekend. Like, I know, I know, I know what we're doing. I know we're focusing on the run game because we're playing so and so. I benched you." And so then we asked the quarterback when he came in, you know, how does that feel? And it was a whole thing. But he was obsessed. That's it was awesome. unbelievable. Yeah, we're, we're talking to a bunch of people who are equally obsessed because they're yes. listening to a fantasy football podcast. Exactly. But in the it, middle of February. How refreshing is that? Well, I mean, it's it was awesome. it was awesome yeah. because. For a number of reasons, but it's because we care. I mean, you hate to hear those stories of guys just straight up hating fantasy football because yeah. they just get barked at all the time for not playing well. Mm-hmm. And then here's this guy that is equally as invested even when – and he said he never started the quarterback that they were playing that week. 
Okay. Oh, that's good to know. No, I yeah. I told you ten minutes, Jamie. It's it's about ten minutes. I have like a million oh. questions. Can I run down a few more? You have, you, I'm extra here. Time? Okay. Cool. All right. I am so interested in the in the production meeting. Tell me about it. Like, who does most yeah. of the talking, and what are you allowed to ask about? What do they tell you? Do you think they're being honest? You know, tell me about the production meeting. It's an interesting dynamic, and it changes team to team, and it gets easier. I just finished my third year on the NFL, so as you come across guys more and more, obviously you know how to handle some players versus others, some coaches versus others, and everyone's dynamic is different. I approach Adam Gase differently than I would approach Belichick. Belichick, exactly, or you know, just the just the run of personalities you can get is is different. So, but the anatomy of a production meeting is as follows. On a, or a weekend, let's just say. On a Friday, we land, usually Friday early morning, we go to the home team facility, we watch practice. We all kind of just trickle in at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, Trent, for the past couple of years, his sons are going through their junior and senior year of high school football. So we usually don't have him on Fridays because he stays home to watch his sons play. So he's on the phone. But Trent will go out and watch practice because to be honest, I'm not, I'm not looking for the same things as much as Trent is. So he's, you know, Whatever, how lineups changes and whatnot, however that works. Um, sometimes the teams feed us, which is always very exciting because we get to eat what the players are eating. Um, but uh, then the coaches, the head coach comes in. Uh, it depends on the order, but um, the head coach comes in or players come right off the practice field. Like Peyton used to come right off, put his helmet down and sit down have the conversation and, and then he would able, then he would go and change and shower and finish his day. So mm-hmm. everyone's different. Depends on who's kind of the, we had the Texans this year on the road and, uh, who was it that came in and, um, oh, I can't think of his name. Someone walked by us and was like, Hey, can I just meet with you guys now? Whoever was on our list. Mm-hmm. And we're like, uh, sure. He came in, sits down. Bill O'Brien like opens the door and he's like, coach, I'm going first. I was like, <laughs> oh man, this like just started a battle. But, um, so we meet with the head coach and then the players just trickle in one after another. And some are five minutes, some are 45 minutes. I mean, and then there are some questions that we say, okay, we have to get to this. Like, And then there are some questions where Greg or Trent will say, like, this is probably better if Jamie asked this. I don't know, just the nature of the question or sure. however we get there. Trent goes first always. Then great. Then they look at each other. It kind of goes over to Greg and then maybe back to Trent. And then I kind of slide in at the end with like a couple of questions. Um, and then is it a lot? Is around. it a lot of game plan stuff? Is it how are you going to do this? How are you going to contain this? Wait. Um, usually when it gets to Trent, that's how that goes. Right. He wants to know. You know, some coaches will go as far as they'll tell us like. Oh, you know, trick play. Like we've right, known, right, right. we've known because that that's also like a director's call. Like she needs to, or my director Suzanne Smith, she needs to know certain camera angles. If she's, I mean, she's been in with CBS since 1985. She's been around a lot of these coaches, so they'll sometimes give her a little like, if we're doing this, watch for this trick play, which I always think is kind of cool. Yeah. Um. Do you you get information on who's starting? Like yes, if there's a quarterback we, we had a situation, situation or a running yeah, back. We had a situation um, a couple years ago where we were given two quarterbacks because they didn't want to tell us who was starting, which was frustrating because mm-hmm. from a content standpoint, it's hard to differentiate. Like, who are you really focusing on then? Um, and it's also really hard, too, if you are given information. And this is something that, ever, that any network would struggle with. But let's say we are given, you know, oh, Tom Brady's not going to start. And they're t- they tell us this on a Friday, which mm-hmm. that would never happen. 
it's really frustrating when other people break that news on Sunday morning and we've been sitting on it, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to say it. But I almost feel like you have to do yeah. that. Oh, of Otherwise course. You gonna... don't want to burn a bridge. Right. Um, no, it's all about the relationships. And to be honest, you know, game broadcasts are different than Adam Schefter trying to break news. And that's just the nature of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't even know if I answered your question, Adam. Yeah, totally. The, the totally. Every, every meeting's different. Um, Bill Belichick, you know, he, he's sometimes challenging to to talk to however he is a brilliant historian and such an interesting man when it comes to lacrosse um the history of the game i mean we we got into a conversation with once as to how i think it was how like the three-point stance has changed over time or or (laughs) something along those lines and then he was just so into it it was Mm -hmm. so interesting um one of the strategies different one of the strategies my buddy in boston uses is he tries to soften bill Mm -hmm. with historical questions Mm -hmm. and then when he really needs to ask him something he tries to you know hey we just got done talking about you know the lawrence taylor days of the giants now why don't you tell me about this player's injury and he belichick like almost always yeah clams up right knows better but but every every team is different, and like I said, every relationship grows. Um, but then it's also hard. Like I didn't have the Patriots at all this year, so that changes. So mm-hmm. you know, then I haven't seen them. So it's just different. All right, here's my last question. You were you at all a Family Guy fan? Like you know, ten you know, ten fifteen years ago. Sure. Had, enough enough to to get a reference here and there. Gumble to Gumble. Did you, see, you remember Gumble? Yes. To Gumble? Oh my gosh. Do you ever it break is- it up with him? Yes. Well, it's sometimes it's sometimes I'll tell you this. We were in uh Kansas City. I was in this tiny elevator in the hotel and Greg was on the 7th floor and I was on the 5th, so I get on. Some people get on the 4th floor and they turn around and they were like, "Brian Gumble, oh. I love you." And Greg is just like Mm-hmm. Just, he, he like he never knows what to do like he's like i'm greg like i just and i just we were in this elevator and i was like this could not be the slowest elevator in oh, the world right awesome. now it was unbelievable but yes we've we have uh talked about it before i've yet to meet bryant i'm kind of i have they every time we have a game in new york they have bro- brother to brother dinner and i just think that's like the sweetest thing ever mm-hmm. and um but greg makes me laugh he like never watches his brother's show like it's just so funny, like how they're brothers first, and that there's the fact that they both are amazing and yeah. icons in sports television is just like, yeah, we're brothers. Does Greg ever consider just playing it out like he's Brian Cumble? No, <laughs> his face. Yeah, that's me, Brian Cumble. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. that's like when people yell at me on the sideline, like Ali LaForce, uh, and yeah. I just look at them Aww. and I'm like. Uh, yes. Like, like, I'm not even gonna fight you, and frankly, I'm flattered, so. I get, Z- I get Zach Efron all the time, so I, I totally get it. You get it. which one? I get Zach Efron all the time. Oh, totally, yeah, right? I, I think I actually did that to you the first time I met you. Yep, yeah, it was, it was weird, but, yeah. Uh, I get Peter Griffin. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, my last question for you, Jamie, is, which players are you looking forward to watching play? Mm-hmm. And maybe even you want to have on your fantasy team. Man, well, not fantasy, but I am interested to see how Alex Smith lands in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to chat with Patrick Mahomes a little bit during Super Bowl week, and I'm interested to see how he slides into the offense in Kansas City. Um, How'd you like him, by the way? He was a nice young man. Mm-hmm. I was um, pleasantly surprised, actually. It was it was Super Bowl week, so it's kind of lighthearted, and he's just kind of walking around. So I just said hi, but you know what I liked about him was having been in Kansas City, which is where Trent Green lives now. He said that he has reached out to Trent a lot, I guess, and, and uses him as a sounding board and a mentor, it sounds like. And 
I think for all the things that we have seen go down with rookie quarterbacks in the last five years, it's smart to do that. And if a resource is there, he should utilize it. So I was, and I think Trent is one of the greatest guys in the game. So I think the fact that he is putting that, putting the pieces together and using that to his benefit is awesome for him. Um, so that, that is interesting to me. Um, I, I'm interested to see how Eli turns things around. Um, if Pat Shermer is the answer there, I really like Shermer. I'm being from Minnesota. You know, he did wonders for the Vikings. And also, what are the Vikings going to do about their quarterback situation? Yep. Yeah. Fascinating. Isn't that crazy? It's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's again, good problem to have. It's kind of like the Eagles with their quarterbacks. Like, but the, the Vikings are a little bit more of a conundrum because mm-hmm. they're all un, not under contract. Right. What would you do? I would see which one I could get for the cheapest amount and keep that one. Yep. And then I would try and find another one, either via the draft or free So let the or, other two walk. Well, there, there is one solution that trumps it all, and that's just drop a, a truckload full of $100 bills at Kirk Cousins' house and say, come, and come all, play. And let all three of them let go. Let all three. Wow, I mean, maybe Adam, Bri- do you agree with that? I, you know, maybe Bridgewater stays for five, six million a year. I, I don't mind it because I think they could win the Super Bowl this year if they get great quarterback play. So I agree. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't mind them. Are you convinced that Teddy Bridgewater can't provide that yet? We don't know. Right. That's, the coaches that's the obviously have a better yeah. idea on just how far Teddy's come along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most, most teams don't have a, most teams don't have a huge window. So you don't want to waste a year where it's like, well, he was just kind of yeah, getting his true. legs under him. And not to say that that would happen, but it could happen. I, I think I'd rather have Keenum this year than Bridgewater. Maybe not long term, but just yeah, this but you're year. not going to get Keenum for – Again, Keenum's one of he's these – He's going to get a ton of money. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, is he the kind of guy, though, that is is uh, defenses are going to figure him out? Like, did he Maybe, get probably. through? You know, and kind of like but he's Adam Thielen, be... incredible athlete, but, like, how, what what are the different variations to his game – where he's going to be able to separate year in and year out. I mean, I'm glad he got a great contract, mm-hmm. but yeah. in Minnesota Native, I think his story is incredible. Mm-hmm. But that's that's very interesting to me. I, I'm in his development. And I, I would go the other way to say that I think he's he's pretty well developed, mm. and he's got he's 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 part of the reason why Keenum and Bradford, and if Bridgewater had played for an extended period of time, why all three of those guys played well or would have mm-hmm. played well. Like I, 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 I want to give credit where it's due. Bradford played well early in the season and then Case Keenum came in. Yeah. But I, I think that it's got a lot more to do with how they scheme the offensive line to protect the quarterback and how well all those pass catchers did. Yeah. And I think that that just makes a huge difference because they were able to keep doing what they were doing even after Dalvin Cook got hurt. Yeah. That's and true. that, that was almost as impressive as everything else that they put together. That's true. But I don't know how they keep Case Keenum. If he's going to cost fifteen plus million, but you, when they can go get cousins, else, you go get cousins. And get, cousins is obviously going to cost way more. Yeah, but I think that that would be. I think that's the solution if I'm Minnesota. Hmm. Interesting, well, Jamie. Yes? Thank you for being on the show. That was awesome. Oh, it was a pleasure. Great stuff. Well, I'm I'm gonna like Dave said. I'm gonna be down here a lot more often, so I might just have to crash the party again. I hope so. All right. Yeah. I appreciate it, and good luck during uh, the March Madness oh, tournament. Thank you. I know you're gonna be on the sidelines there too. We'll I look can't for wait. You. That's uh, that's when I get to focus on hoops, and then right back to football. Awesome. Well, that is not stop. I like it. Not Jaime, but Jamie Erdahl, J A M I E, and we thank her very much. Thanks to Dave Richard. Thank you all for listening. This has been Fantasy Football Today. We'll be back later in the week with another episode.